3: Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the programme this week, we reflect on the tragic death of Australian cricketer Phil Hughes and look back at Lydia Coe's big win. We also preview the Black Sticks Champions Trophy campaign, look at the future of the National Basketball League and the Football Ferns European Tour. The cricketing world is in shock following the death of the Australian batsman Philip Hughes after he was struck by a bouncer in a domestic match in Sydney. Hughes was knocked unconscious by the delivery that hit him at the base of his skull while batting for South Australia on Tuesday and died in hospital two days later. The Australian captain Michael Clarke was close with the 25-year-old and remained by his side for much of his final days. An emotional clerk read a statement from Hugh's family at the hospital. We're devastated by the loss of our much loved son and brother Philip. It's been a very
0: difficult few days. We appreciate all the support we have received from family, friends, players, Cricket Australia, and the general public. Cricket was Philip's life, and we as a family shared that love of the game with him. We would like to thank all the medical and nursing staff at St Vincent's Hospital and Cricket New South Wales medical staff.
3: For their great efforts with Philip. We love you. The second day of the third cricket test between New Zealand and Pakistan was called off as a mark of respect for the Australian player. The International Cricket Council's Chief Executive David Richardson says the whole cricketing world is in shock. We are all shocked and extremely saddened by the news of Philip Hughes' passing uh, today. All those who have played cricket, who play cricket, who have children playing cricket are devastated by this news. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends in this very difficult time. The chief executive of the New Zealand Cricket Players Association, Heath Mills, told Morning Reports' Todd Nile it's been hard for all players to deal with.
4: It's been a really awful, awful week uh, the last two or three days. Um, A number of our players have played against uh, Philip uh, for the last seven or eight years and, and they've actually, actually played in domestic teams with him both in Australia and, and other countries around the world. And, and, and it's a really small community, the international uh, cricketing one amongst the players and they've all been um, heavily affected by by what's happened uh, as has a lot of people in, in the cricketing community around the world. It has also, in a terrible way, underlined the danger that exists In the sport, is there going to come a time soon where there may be a look at that, whether the the equipment is good enough, whether the rules need to change around some of the bowling actions? Look, everyone has been focused uh, on Philip in the last uh, days and his family, our our friends and and colleagues in Australia who who are doing it particularly tough at the moment. Um, There's no doubt that we'll need to have discussions with uh, administrators around the world about this incident, um, you know, what could have been done to prevent it, if anything, um, because it was a freak accident. Um, perhaps if there are ways in which we can look at the medical systems and so forth, uh, that, that exist at grounds uh, during matches. But that, that's 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 for another day. Um, at the moment, we need to support our players um, and our people who are who are really in a state of shock uh, and grieving about what's happened. It's you know you don't. You don't go to a cricket field uh, to do your work and, and, and do your job and, and expect to be killed. So um, you know, there's a lot of guys who are hurting at the moment um, you know, and, and they're, they're thinking that could have been me. Uh, that could have been me out there um, and you know, that, that's, that's going to have an impact on some players for a wee time yet.
3: The New Zealand golfer Lydia Ko produced another stunning performance this week to win the biggest payday in the history of women's golf. Co banked nearly $1.9 million for her win at the LPGA season-ending tour championship, including a $1.2 million bonus for winning the race to the globe, the tour's equivalent of the order of merit.
5: Lydia Coe pulls off the double
3: here at the CME Group Tour Championship and has five wins before her 18th birthday on the LPGA Tour. It took four extra trips down the 18th hole for Ko to finally emerge as the champion. The world number three was rock solid, making regulation pars on each of the playoff holes before Spain's Carlota Zaganda faltered to give Ko her third win of the season. She says she was relieved at not having to play the hole again.
2: Yeah, I thought four times was enough. (laughs) Um, It's it's a tough one and, you know, obviously I like the hole now. (laughs) It's it's a fun hole to finish on and I think it's great for the crowds too.
3: Coe had some of the pressure lifted before the playoff began. When she was told by her coach David Ledbetter she'd already secured the Race to the Globe title and the more than $1.2 million bonus that comes with it. However, Lidbetter says the 17-year-old didn't let the news of her increased fortunes disturb her focus heading into the deciding holes.
6: She just said, "Really?" <laughs> that was it. It was not like you know, she didn't do cartwheels or anything. You know, I mean, she's uh you know, she keeps her emotions in check, does young Lydia, and uh, you know, that's obviously going to hold her in good stead for the future. And I mean, what a, what a tremendous year she's had, and to wrap it up like this is uh, incredible, really.
3: Foucault's success is set to continue benefiting the sport in New Zealand. The New Zealand Golf High Performance Manager Greg Thorpe says she's brought the game back into the limelight.
6: She's given us a profile quite like something we haven't had for a while. It's quite some time since um, Michael Campbell's major success and we'd liken this year to that. Um, She's driving interest across the board, um, that's both men's and women's golf.
3: Foucault, the challenge is now to back up from a debut season which exceeded all her initial expectations. She's been named LPGA Rookie of the Year, won nearly $4 million on the course and is up to number three in the world rankings. Co admits she set the bar high for herself.
2: It's going to be tough, yeah. I think I played pretty awesome this year and I've had like 14 top tens and three wins. It's a year that I would have never thought that I would have and it's it's a hard year to top off and just playing consistently is my goal for my whole career.
3: I spoke to Co's coach, David Ledbetter, who says the playoff win was an impressive performance.
6: We we all know that she's got nerves of steel, and uh, she really, uh, I mean, uh, I was so impressed with her really when it came down the stretch. There, I mean, she, you know, she had a two shot lead really with a few holes to play, and the the other two girls, uh, you know, made a couple of birdies, so they, uh, you know, obviously caught up with her, and so she she finished, you know, she finished well. Um, she was always a little worried about the 16th hole, the par three, which is the sort of nemesis hole, but she managed to par that one. And uh, so and played 18 very well. And so, I mean, in the playoff, I mean, she just, basically, I mean, she, <laughs> she it was very interesting as much that we, we looked at her yardages. I mean, she hit, I think she had 168, 169 four times <laughs> into the into the 18th green there. And so, I mean, you know, she was laying the driver on the blanket, so, she drove the ball really well today. In fact, it was the, her best ball striking day today. Uh, we did a little work on the tee last night and got a, to re, got a feeling the, uh, to release the club a little bit more. And so, and she really felt good about it. And she hit the, hit the ball great. I mean, she, uh, you know, we, we figured she had to. We had a little, bit sort of joked about it because I, I asked her, "What do you think you got to shoot tomorrow to win?" This was last night, and uh, she said, "Well, 68." I said, "I think you need 67." What as it turned out. So, <laughs> very very impressive and uh you know the uh colada had a chance there she missed a the five footer there uh I think it was the third go round, i think it was um and really she sort of let uh, you know she she let her in there and so uh she let lydia in and the fact is that obviously unfortunately uh, Carlotta had a poor poor second the final time around and uh you know lydia uh She'd had that putt about four times a day, that from the right side of the green. So, no, very impressive. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, she. Uh, she we, we said at the beginning of the day that listen, just go out there and look. You've had a great year, no matter what. But just go out there and free flow it, and so. And that's really what she did. And so I don't think she really even thought about it. I mean, she, not that she mentioned it anyway. But I mean, obviously, when it came down to it finished on the final green and let her know that hey you won the million because Stacey Lewis um, uh, didn't finish high up enough, enough in the field so uh, she won that and I think you know it freed her up ready to go in the playoff and uh, uh, and well the rest is history though say. So.
3: What was her reaction when you told her and she found out that she'd she'd won obviously that uh, million dollar bonus
6: <laughs> She just said really? So <laughs> That was it it was not like you know she didn't do cartwheels or anything you know I mean she's uh you know, she keeps her emotions in check, does young Lydia? And so uh, she, uh, you yeah, know, she took it very, very calmly and just ma- very matter-of-factly, really. And so uh, she—I uh, mean, she's she's a really, you know, uh, uh, an amazing young character. You know, she's got just this ice icy temperament, and uh, you know that's obviously going to hold her in good stead for the future. And I mean, what a, what a tremendous year she's had, and to wrap it up like this. Really.
3: Just in terms of her game, what sort of uh, development have, have you seen in the twelve months now that you've been working with her, um, and h- how much can she improve?
6: Well, look, I mean, look, she's had a tremendous year, and obviously we we were very much. I mean, it's actually a year tomorrow that we started working with her. I mean, she came to see us right after this tournament last year, so I mean, she's had. I mean, she couldn't have had a better year. I mean, that's for sure. So. Yeah, we've done. You know, obviously made some little changes. Nothing too drastic. She's still got that beautiful tempo, and uh, um, and so we've you know we've shortened the swing a little bit there, and got a club face in a slightly better position. And the biggest thing probably she's 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 probably put on about ten yards, and uh, she's able to move the ball right to left now, whereas before it was that was a little bit of a struggle. You know, she's a bit more of a left to right player, so and she's got a few more shots in her armory, being able to hit it. sort of these low shots, low shots with the driver. She pulled that out once or twice today, and I think shot to fellow competitors who are quite long. And so, um, she, you know, into the wind, she actually hit it past them. So, uh, so she, she's got a couple more shots. And, so uh, you know, she's, I, I think she's, you know, I don't think really, you know, you could wish a, a better year for a, for a first time rookie. That's for sure. And so, uh, um, you know, hopefully, obviously, she set the benchmark now, and that's the case of sort of uh, keeping on this track. And she's she's very happy with a new caddy. I mean, uh, you know, she <laughs> she's obviously gone through the messier trying to find the right guy, but she's very happy with Jason. And so, you know, everything seems to be going well. I know she's going to be taking a month off, coming back to New Zealand, playing playing the New Zealand Open, I believe, which uh, she's excited about. So, uh, um, so uh, you know, she's. Uh, need to take a little break now because um, um, I'm not sure, the New Zealand opens early next year, I believe, but I mean, she you know, she deserves a, a, a break, you know, because she's had a couple of little leggy injuries with her wrists and so on, which seems to be okay at the moment, but uh, it's important for her going forward and this is the thing we try to stress, you know, with her and the parents, that she's got to pace herself, you know, you can't keep up her uh, you, you know, you've got to, you've really got to recharge your batteries every so often. So as much as she loves playing to practice, then you know, sometimes it's, just, it's good to put clubs away and just forget about golf for a while, and then get back to it, you know, you know, nice and fresh.
3: So it is your understanding that she uh, will be playing the New Zealand Open, but I, I...
6: what i yeah, from what I've understood, I mean, all uh, you know, all all conversation has been sort of geared toward that. So uh, I, I think uh, you know, she's uh, yes, I mean, I, I just heard talk from. Account that she is playing so uh, that would be good news.
3: And just lastly I guess now she's won all these events and the only thing that she won't have done will have been that major thing. Do you think um, for her to win a major is it just a matter of time or is is it just a mental thing that needs to happen or just yeah she hasn't had the, the right luck on the right week yet? Yeah look I, mean,
6: look I mean look she's 17 I mean she hasn't played that many majors actually really when you think about it so I mean, you've got to play, and they're a little different from a pressure standpoint, and the courses obviously are tough, but, uh, I mean, she has a she has a perfect game for majors. I mean, I would think, you know, a U.S. Open, I mean, you know, I would think that would be, you know, right up her alley. I mean, the way she cuts and the way, you know, where she thinks the way around a golf course. Uh, it's, I've seen the golf course they're playing next year in uh, Pennsylvania, and it should suit her down to the ground. So, I think, yeah, you yeah, know, there's really no courses that do not suit Lydia. I mean, as straight as she hits it, and I mean, she's obviously not the longest out there, but the way she hits the hybrids, I mean, she hits the hybrids closer than most of the girls hit their, hit their sort of six and seven iron. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it's just really a matter of time. And, uh, I mean, as I say, being 17, uh, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be at all surprised if she didn't win a major next year.
3: Sticking with golf, the New Zealand PGA Championships will relaunch this week following a two-year hiatus. The tournament will be hosted by Auckland's Remuera Golf Club in March next year and will be the biggest golf event hosted in the city in seven years. The three-time PGA champion Sir Bob Charles has been honoured by tournament organisers with a trophy bearing his name to be awarded to the highest-placed New Zealander. I spoke to Sir Bob about the return of the tournament
2: it's great to see the pga championship resurrected uh, back in my heyday in the 60s and 70s we used to have uh something like a dozen professional tournaments and uh in fact there was a few years where we had more tournaments here in uh, new zealand than we they had in australia as a result, we had a lot of the great Australians coming over here to play uh, like uh, Peter Thompson and Kel Nagel, and uh, when the uh, the big money took off in the rest of the world, New Zealand got left behind, and lo and behold, all of a sudden, we've, we've only got one tournament here, which is the New Zealand Open, and uh, we're struggling to kind of keep the prize money level up in that, and uh, so it, it, I think there's always been room for a PGA, but it, of course, what has been lacking is sponsorship and, and, and money to, uh, to sustain an event. So Such as this. So, uh, no, I'm very pleased that the PGA have worked so hard on, on getting new sponsors.
4: How much of a challenge do you think it will be keeping it sustainable sort of over time?
2: Well, that's up to the sponsors totally uh, uh the the prize money is uh our new zealand open is up around over the million mark i think and uh uh this is uh, only 150,000, and i think that's a starting point you, you know in everything you you got to start somewhere so um it's uh, let's hope that the uh, uh the golfing public and the sponsors and the uh Government, tourism, uh, people, uh, everybody subscribes to... uh to uh, this event going forward. And you must
3: be uh, pretty pleased to look at the shape of the way, way New Zealand professionals are going at the moment. I mean, it's probably the best situation it's been in the last 10 years or so with Lydia, and then also the men um, having uh, three on the PGA Tour this year in the US.
2: Uh, well, yes, yes, no, they're uh, they're doing pretty good with... Um, uh, we'd like to see uh, a few more of the men winning on the uh, international scene. Uh, of course, the, the ultimate is is the majors, and uh, you know, there's only Michael Campbell and I have managed to win majors. <clears throat> and uh, of course, that's that's something which Lydia has got to aim for now is is winning majors. And uh, no, we've got got an abundance of, of talent out there, and uh, uh, but we need we need more winners.
4: There's a lot of talk around Lydia and whether she'll be coming back for the New Zealand Women's Open at the start of next year. Do you feel that that would be pretty special for her to come back? How important well, is it for her to come back, do you
2: think? Yeah, it, it would be. We'd love to see her come back, but her priorities are the LPGA uh, tour in the United States, and um, I had was in the same situations during my career. as You, you like to support your, your home events, but if there's a... Uh, a major conflicting event uh, in the United States where, where uh, she's playing now and where I played for, for a number of years. Uh, you know, the big events, they take priority. Uh, but I fortunately, uh, because of the timing of the New Zealand Open, it was the off-season and, of course, I was able to come back here and, uh, and play in our New Zealand events, which uh, I, I did try to support as best, best I could.
3: That's the New Zealand golfing great Sir Bob Charles. The national women's hockey team begin their Champions Trophy campaign on Sunday in Argentina against Japan. The new-look Blacksticks also face China and world number ones the Netherlands in their pool at the eight-team tournament, which comes on the back of an extraordinarily long year. And with an average age of just 23 in the new-look squad, only the captain Anita Punt and the versatile Stacey Mickelson and Sam Charlton have more than 100 caps. The side's currently missing the likes of midfielder Kayla Whitelock, strikers Katie Glynn and Gemma Flynn, as well as the retired Crystal Forgerson and Bianca Russell. Richard Wayne spoke with Anita Punt, who at 26 admits she feels like an old lady in the young squad. But Punt says despite their inexperience, the mood in the camp's good. Uh,
0: you know, it's done pretty well. We um, had a couple of games when we were in um, St. Louis, and against Argentina it didn't go too great, but we've definitely learnt a lot. You know, we've had another few days training and I think it's going pretty well. We're getting a lot of good combinations going. so we really good to put what we've learnt into action. Because
5: that's going to be the big challenge, isn't it, with your inexperienced squad is, is stuff like combinations and, and sort of learning, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's always tough and, you know, we're not centralised so we have to, as Mark sort of says, we have to learn on the job. So when we come away, that's when we have to learn, you know, all the little finer details that if we were centralised that would be a lot easier for us when we came away.
5: Well, I guess this, you know, I suppose consistency, if you will, um, the cohesion perhaps across the the team, across the park, is that perhaps going to be one of your biggest challenges, if not the biggest, with this new-look squad?
0: Yeah, like, um, I think the main thing we really hope, well, personally what I'd like is consistency out of the series. So uh, we're quite good at playing a really good game, and then the next one we, um, you know, we, we let ourselves down. So hopefully the series will step up and be a lot more consistent and it's just the younger players, you know, stepping up and also the older players, you know, coming through and helping each other out. But I, I think, you know, we've got a good feeling in the camp, so it should it should go well.
5: Does it feel a bit like, you, you know, there's only three of you with more than 100 caps. Do you feel a little bit like a veteran, like the old lady in the camp?
0: <laughs> yeah, somehow I've become the second oldest, which I, I don't personally like. <laughs> um, but no, the younger girls, they, they've got a lot of confidence and they are performing pretty well, so I I don't think that's going to be an issue for us.
5: Where do you think are the biggest sort of improvements you need to make to to go the furthest you can in the Champions Trophy? Will be will it be in defence, um, attack, or or what?
0: Um, for us, it's just uh, like we need to work keep working on our basics. So obviously, if you don't track the ball well, you're going to be under pressure, like uh, to do a skill or to pass the ball to someone else, and also just leading off each other. We're doing a lot of um, structure work at our trainings that we can, you know, we'll just work there together when we're going forward and coming out of defence. Um, but all over the park, yeah, you have to be good to win games.
5: I guess uh, Japan's pretty much a must-win in the pool, and perhaps even the China game. Is Are you pinpointing those two games as opposed to the world number one Netherlands?
0: Yeah, so today we did some scouting on Japan, because well, obviously they're our first team, and but we're still going to scout um, Holland. There's, you know, there's weaknesses that we can exploit with them. Obviously, that that's going to be the toughest game. But, um, you know, you can't, you don't go into a game thinking you're going to lose. So we'll put everything into it, even though you know people have written us off.
5: Well, the, I mean, the Blacksticks have done some pretty decent things over the last few years. Well, what would be a good result for you guys at the Champions Trophy this time?
0: You know, top four would be awesome. Um, but yeah, we don't want to come. We'd like to come, be playing at least for the fifth and sixth game. Uh, but obviously you don't you don't go into tournament wanting to lose, so we'll be pushing for our semi-final spots.
5: And if you get there, I guess it's all on, isn't it? Once you can't get to the knockout stages of of any sort of tournament.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's final so uh, you, the crossover game you actually only have to win one game to go into the semis. So, you know, if we don't do so well, uh, obviously we'll cross with a harder team. Uh, the other pool's pretty tough, so on like the crossover game will be one of the toughest.
5: Wow, and how are you and the? I suppose the more experienced players who've been playing most of these uh, games across the season. It's something like forty tests this year. I mean, how are you how are you holding up? How are the fatigue levels?
0: Yeah, it's been a pretty hard year this year to be honest. And you know, we're all a bit tired, but um, we train for this, and you know, we're quite conditioned to play a lot of games and a lot of and a lot of tournaments. So yeah, we're feeling pretty good. Just getting over the jet lag. Still, but, you know, coming into Saturday, we'll be fine.
5: And have you ever been in a situation like this in your career where suddenly you're one of the senior players and and you've had like, I think it's a thousand combined caps of experience just taken out of the squad?
0: Yeah, no, no, I haven't. So, it's you know, we definitely miss our key players at, you know, Taylor and Emily and Crystal and Katie, but that always happens. So we just have to step up and, you know, keep trying and we've just got to learn how to play without them. And, you know, obviously they're a huge miss, but they've got to live their lives, so... Yeah, hopefully we'll continue on what they have
3: been doing. The New Zealand National Basketball League suffered another blow this week with news the Waikato Pistons have withdrawn from the 2015 competition. The league has long struggled to be financially viable for teams and the Pistons join the Otago Nuggets in pulling out of next season, leaving just eight teams to compete. Richard Wayne spoke to the NBL chairman, Sam Rossiter-Steed, who says unfortunate circumstances have forced Waikato to pull out.
1: They don't have any financial difficulties as such. Uh, they're actually in a very healthy position as Waikato basketball. But um, but they had a, a partnership with somebody which was, uh, uh, was going to underwrite uh, their season. And unfortunately, that fell through at the 11th hour.
5: Right. So it might not be financially prudent to go it alone sort of deal?
1: That's how they feel. Yeah, most certainly. And, and we've worked with them over the last 24 hours to try and uh, come up with a rescue package but uh, uh, they've decided that the best way forward is for them to take another year out
5: how many teams does that leave us with in the NBL for 2015
1: that's 8 8 teams which is back to what it was a couple of years ago
5: and if i recall correctly um john Davy, i'm not sure if he's still the head of waikato or not uh he was he wasn't fond of the idea of southland joining and making it i think it was 11 teams he he was talking about the travel extra travel costs and the financials not stacking up that way is it better with 8 do you think
1: and disadvantage of a small number um, it, it, it obviously uh, you would think it would increase the, the playing standard although there's not much too wrong on that score um, uh, but it, it would push our standards even even higher with uh, a smaller pool of players
5: is, um, I mean we talked about this when Tiger pulled out recently didn't we and this is obviously the second team now um, I mean is there some tweaking of the model that can you know, sustain a larger league or do you reckon maybe eight's the way to go
1: well, the um, I mean, the, there are two very different financial situations there. With, um say, with Otago, that, that they have issues at Basketball Otago. Um, and the knock-on effect of that has been that the Nuggets have had to withdraw. Uh, the situation with Waikato is that the, although um, the association's in a healthy position, um, um, they had um, a, a disappointing uh, bit of news, uh, whereas their, their new partner, who they were very confident uh, um, of working with, uh, has unfortunately had a change of circumstance. So uh, I'm not sure that the model is necessarily flawed, but it's up to each team uh, how, they, how they fund uh, their basketball and how they, they, they fund their involvement in the league. Um, and, of course, every team has a completely different business model. There's no sort of one template.
5: Is there a case for some sort of uh, more involvement um, or you know, I don't know, financial, but certainly um, some sort of, something for the parent body to get more involved with to make it easier for these franchises?
1: Well, it's as easy or hard as you make it, really. Um, I mean, it's up to them what, what expenditure they uh, they commit to. Uh, and we have teams that run very, very successfully on, uh, on very tight um, budgets. So, um, it's really it's really down to them to cut their cloth accordingly. We get very involved in a financial sense in terms of reviewing their financial position. Uh, and we've just been through that process. Um, and obviously, there was no problem at all with, with where Waikato was at. Um, but we, we, we work very closely with the franchises, particularly those that have uh, financial challenges, which is still a relatively small number. We've got a, a number of very secure franchises out there.
5: Would it help if someone like Māori TV got back involved, you know, with a um, a broadcasting deal? Uh, I don't know if they'd bring much money, but I suppose the exposure might help bring more money in.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, Basketball New Zealand, on our behalf, uh, is having talks with um, a whole range of broadcasters, and I'm sure Māori TV are in the mix there.
5: Well, that's exciting. Um, Can you tell me any more about that?
1: Oh, um, only as much as um, uh, we obviously we've had some very good exposure for the final series on Sky TV for the last few years, uh, but it's been um, uh, a number of years since we've had regular um, coverage on a weekly basis. Uh, and I know that um, I know that Basketball New Zealand are looking for, uh, at broad increasing the, the broadcast coverage of basketball um, across the board from tall blacks to tall ferns to NBL. So um, so um, I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure they're working away hard and-, and I'll be attending that board meeting next week for an update.
3: The Football Ferns will return home despondent and winless from their three-match European tour, but coach Tony Reddings doesn't believe they lack the confidence to beat top-tier nations. The Football Ferns lost 2-0 to Norway in their second friendly against the world's ninth-ranked side. It comes two days after they drew one all with Norway and on the back of a 2-1 loss to fourth-ranked France. New Zealand are ranked 19th in the world and Reading said prior to the tour it's crucial they beat top 10 sides in the build-up to next year's World Cup in Canada. After the last match, he told Stephen Hewson he still believes the side is capable of doing that.
7: We came into this tour wanting to win all three games. Um, we always know it's going to be tough when you're playing not only top 10 opposition but also top 10 opposition away from home. And I, I think if you, if you look at the, the journey the team's been on is, you know, after the Olympics, we were a team that could, you know, could compete Quite well against um, teams in the top ten. To, to a team that the end of last year could compete with the best teams in the world. And, and this year, what we're now to do is outperform those teams um, on, on many occasions. And so, it's definitely some, some steps towards to the team. And, and the, the part that's missing now is, is putting that, you know, that dominance in those performances and, and putting more goals because um, in, the, in the right end of the pitch. Because that's the thing that's holding us back at the moment there was more than enough opportunities both today and in the last game to do that and, it, and it's a focus for us I mean it's the hardest thing in football it is to put the ball in the net and when today showed again there was two goals which were very preventable and the goal in the first game was that the goals crossed it and it's gone in the is sometimes you've got to score those ugly scrappy ones and we would love two or three of them to go in the net for us and um, you know, then we could be having a different conversation. But it's definitely something we, keep, we need to keep working on, them. and players need to be working on them in their own environments because we don't get to see them that much. And it's the work they do in their own environments which is going to have the biggest benefit on our ability to both create and score goals and opportunities.
6: How difficult, though, is it until you get that confidence of beating those teams to actually aid your World Cup efforts? If, you, if, if there's not a sense of belief that you can beat those top nations.
7: Yeah, and we, we we really do, and I think that's the the, the hardest pill to swallow today. Is there's no doubt in our mind that we would we would um, be good enough to beat Norway today. We, after the last game, where yeah we felt we were robbed a little bit at the end, we we were yeah, we were the better team. They have scored a, a quite a lucky goal from a cross, but again we let a player get in that position, and, and that football and that happens. And today, I don't think there was much doubt that we were good enough to win that game, and and we thought we played well enough to win the game. So the players are pretty pretty despondent at the moment, knowing that we're doing enough to do it. And um, so whilst it's a positive that we are um, outperforming these teams, it's very hard against this level when you are away from home. There is still the aspect that we we need to nail and that's turning these performances into results and it's something we do need to learn in the next six months.
6: Do you sense then that there is possibly a lack of self-belief that it can be done.
7: I don't. I don't think so. I think when you look at the performances, it's really hard to break down these teams. I mean, they're in the top teams in the world for a reason. That's because they're you know, defensively, they're organised, and we're, we're doing enough to win to win these games. And we've had that this year so far against the top ten. We played BPR career in the year, and were completely dominant in that game, but didn't get the result. Um, you know, we played against Brazil and Auckland again, should have won the game, but didn't. And um, so. I think the belief is there for the players. It's just that little bit of quality we need in the really important times when you, when you need that quality and the best teams in the world are able to do that. You know, when they maybe you don't play well, though, they've got someone that can score them and goal and we've got we've got that potential in our team and only with hard work from our players is that going to come. And like I said today, it was, there was no other belief than we, than we would win the game, which is why it is quite hard to swallow now from us. So it's more for us, around, not so much a belief, it's... It's more around the execution of what we need to do and that's something we're just going to keep working
3: on. The football firm's next match is against Denmark in January as the side continues to build up to next year's World Cup in Canada in June. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radioNZ.co.nz and you can find the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with extra time next week.